Allow me this morning to direct your attention to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. 1 Chronicles chapter 22 in your Old Testaments. And let us open our worship this day by considering the man after God's own heart, after whom he named his own son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David. My wife and I had some pleasant times yesterday considering this man that the Bible tells us more about than the next ten combined on a personal level. David's a favorite in Scripture. There's more chapters dedicated to him by far than anyone else as it describes his life from the early days until his death and then, of course, all the reasonings and thoughts of his heart's heart that's contained in the book of Psalms. We don't get to look into another man's heart as much as we do David because of the book of Psalms. But I, I want to show you a verse or two that you know very well, but that I hope we'll consider this morning to help set the stage for how we ought to worship the Lord. First Chronicles 22 and verse 5. David here has just purchased the land from Ornan the Jebusite, where the angel of the Lord stood with his sword drawn and had killed 70,000 Israelite men because God had turned David over to Satan for a short while to number Israel. And David went to the spot where the angel of the Lord stood and where he sheathed his sword and purchased that ground and knew by inspiration that that is where the altar of God would stand in the temple that his son Solomon would build. And so that's the context from chapter 21 as we come into the 22nd chapter. David had said in the first verse of this chapter, this is the house of the Lord God. Now there wasn't one there, and there wasn't one yet, but it was going to be there. And David knew that it would stand in that very spot. This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. And so then it describes David beginning to gather the materials to build that temple. And I want verse 5, And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Do you want to see a real man in retirement? Right here. This is a real man in retirement. He burned himself out in the latter stages of his life after he had spent most of his life in warfare defeating all of Israel's enemies, he spent it in accumulating iron, brass, gold, and silver without number in quantities nowhere else matched in the Bible in order for Solomon to build a house that would be of exceeding great fame and glory throughout all countries. It would be a wonder of the world, the temple of Solomon to the glory of God. The words I want are the words I've given you many times before, exceeding magnificent. David had that kind of a heart toward the Lord, and the Lord knew that about David, and that's why 
the Lord blessed David so much. The first exchange that Sherry and I had yesterday was from her reading in the morning because she read the chapter where David and God got into a conversation because David had purposed to build the Lord a house. He wasn't content with Moses' tabernacle because he wanted to give God something better than that. And the Lord said to him, No, you've been a man of war and you've shed blood. Your son is going to build the house. But because you had such a desire toward it, I am going to build you a house. And he built him a family tree that is still existing at this hour because it is the son of David that is sitting on the throne of glory in heaven above. And those are the words of God to a man that had that kind of a heart for the house of God and wanted to build it. If you'll turn over to chapter 29, one more verse just to show by the inspired words that are recorded for us in God's providence of this old man David who had served the Lord with all his might. He said this in the first verse of 1 Chronicles 29. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. And then he goes on to describe the things that he had gathered together and prepared, even that of his own treasury he gave willingly and with incredible liberality to the building of the Lord's house. The palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now follow with me, if you will, please. This was the first temple on earth to the God of heaven. This is the first temple... 3,000 years after creation that Jehovah ever had on earth. It is the temple of Solomon. It is Solomon's temple. It lasted for a few hundred years, and then Nebuchadnezzar tore it to the ground and razed it. R-A-Z-E-D. He burned it and destroyed it entirely in God's judgment upon that nation. So the first temple disappeared, and it was a wonder of the world. It was incredibly beautiful. The the building of that and construction of that temple was executed by Solomon, a very wise man who had all the nations around him in tribute to him. So there was a constant flow of capital into that nation. He could get as many workmen of as many skills as he wanted. Neighboring kings would offer whatever they had to help him build that temple, and he did. And it was a wonder to the Lord. And he dedicated it in 1 Kings chapter 8 with one of the great prayers of the Bible. That's temple number one, Solomon's temple. Temple number two was built by Zerubbabel and Herod. Zerubbabel came back from the captivity in Babylon and with the Lord sending two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, to stir up the people. They rebuilt that temple after their 70 years captivity in Babylon. Now the second temple was inferior in its stones and its cost. And the wise men of Israel wept because they couldn't give the Lord God of heaven a temple equal to Solomon's. But the Lord comforted them in Haggai chapter 2, and those of you who have been here a while know that passage very well. In Haggai chapter 2, the Lord said, all the silver and all the gold is mine anyway. Right. That 
doesn't impress me all that much because I own it all. But this house that you're building, saith the Lord of hosts, this house is going to be greater than the house that Solomon built. He called it the former temple, the former house. This latter house is going to be greater. And there's going to be more glory in this second house than the first house. And why? Because the desire of all nations will come and grace this second house with His presence. And so for 33 and a half years, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of David, walked to and fro or was carried as a baby into that second temple and by His presence alone in it gave it greater glory than Solomon's temple ever had. And the Lord went on to say, This latter house shall have greater glory than the former house, and in this house will I make peace. Because it was in that second house, when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil was rent in twain from top to bottom, because the way had been opened into the presence of God by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the last time our Lord Jesus Christ was in that house, He despised it. And he walked out of it and said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And then he tore it to pieces and had the foundation dug up by Roman soldiers because he had repudiated that nation and that temple and that Old Testament worship that was contained in it. That's temple number two. Temple number three. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, In 1 Timothy chapter 3, the local churches of the New Testament are called the temple of the living God. This day, you sit, I sit with you, I stand with you, before you, in the temple of the living God. Indwelt forever by the Lord Jesus Christ through His Spirit. If we read the story of David and Solomon and get moved to see the excitement in serving the Lord God, and if we read about Zerubbabel rebuilding that temple and it was going to have greater glory because Christ would visit it and then leave it and destroy it, what should be the effect of us right now to know that this is the temple of the living God? Not these four walls but the body of believers that have come together in His name by His regenerating power and with His presence of Spirit in them and among them, we are the temple of the living God and Jesus Christ is with us forever. And He will just gather together in one all the local churches that are on earth and the general assembly that is in heaven into one glorious kingdom and that day is coming very soon. But let us make his worship exceeding magnificent, because we are blessed above David, Solomon, and Zerubbabel to have his presence with us. He is sitting glorified on the throne of heaven. He rules with a rod of iron, dashing the nations in pieces. He is our Lord and our Savior. He ever lives to make intercession for us. We have a high priest so superior to Abiathar and Zadok that David and Solomon had, so superior to Joshua that Zerubbabel had, we have the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the high priest. He is the cornerstone of this temple. He's made you living stones in this house. Let us give His worship to Him this day with all of our hearts and make it exceeding magnificent. 
He is not looking for gold or silver or a house made with hands. He is looking for hearts that love Him and voices to express it and love among His saints. Let's lift up Him this day. Let's adore Him in His Word. And let's rejoice. We're in the third temple, brethren. Now there's a fourth. And we're all headed toward it. And that's when this one is absorbed with the general assembly above into the temple in heaven. And that's where we're headed. This one will never be destroyed. It'll just be taken above and united with those saints that have already gone before us. I love David and his attitude toward the Lord. But we have a better opportunity than he ever had. Let's use it. Let's use it. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, our Father. Yes, we agree with Solomon that thou dwellest in the thick darkness. And no house can be built for thee worthy of thee on earth. But we thank thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We thank thee that the church of the living God is your temple indwelt by your spirit and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ who walks among his seven golden candlesticks representing his churches and is here with us this day by spirit. And, O Lord God in heaven, we are not worthy to be in thy house, nor to be under the same roof with the Son of God. But we do not regard this building as our church. We regard the souls that you have saved and converted by the grace and gospel of Jesus Christ to love thee as the true church. And, Heavenly Father, I pray this day, as David prayed 3,000 years ago, that you would keep in the hearts and minds of his people the willingness to give to build that first temple, that you would keep in the hearts and minds of us the desire to make your praise glorious and to worship thee acceptably with reverence and godly fear, which for that is which you require to worship thee in spirit and in truth, and that we might love thee and adore thee, and thy Son, Jesus, the Son of David, our Lord and our Savior, our brother and our friend, our husband and our King. We pray that you would keep that in the hearts of us forever. O Lord, let us not wander from the way of righteousness and of Jesus Christ our Lord, but keep us in the way of thy commandments. Heavenly Father, deliver us from the powers of darkness, who despise their conquering prince, who shall cast them for eternity into the lake of fire. Put a hedge about this church and about every sincere child of God within it, that we might be protected from the wiles of the devil. Bless us, O Lord, to take on the whole armor of God and in the evil day to stand. We thank Thee for the blessed privilege out of 6.8 billion people on earth to be in the temple of the living God, rather than meeting in houses of worship for gods made with hands and by the imagination of reprobate minds. 
Heavenly Father, we bless and we praise Thee. And we ask that this day, that the words of our mouths together, and the meditation of our hearts together, will be acceptable in Thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Forgive us all our sins, all our iniquities and transgressions, We bring no bullocks to an altar to offer by fire unto thee, for the blood of thy Son was offered once to thee and accepted for all our sins. And we know that thou art faithful and just to forgive us if we will but confess. And Father in heaven, we confess all our transgressions. Have mercy upon us and cleanse us through the washing, sanctifying blood of the Lord Jesus Christ the Lamb of God. Father in heaven, we pray for your preachers and churches throughout the world. Bless them this day that the word of the Lord might have free course and be glorified and that your men will be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. We pray that you would preserve this nation that has set itself on a course of destruction morally, economically, politically, and in every way imaginable. Heavenly Father, for the sake of of your dear children in its midst, we pray for the peace of Babylon, that in her peace we might have peace for our children and our children's children. O Lord God, be with us this day. In all that we shall do, let every heart be calmed and steadied. Let every heart be stirred and every mind excited about the things of the Lord Jesus Christ that we may lay hold of him by faith and admire and desire and adore him who loved us, gave himself for us, lives for us, and is coming again for us. It's in Jesus' name that we offer up this prayer to thee, our Father in heaven. Amen.